Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are here and we have a guest. Uh, Not just LG3. Don't have to just sit here, listen to us, make fun of Bradley. We have a guest. We'll still make fun of Bradley, don't we? We will. We will. We will. Dana Adams is with us. She is the new University of Minnesota Livestock Extension Educator for Stearns, Benton, and Morrison Counties, which happens to be Emily's old job. And we're super excited that Dana has joined us. She grew up in Alexandria, Virginia and went to the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg to get her bachelor's, and then hopped all the way across the country and went to South Dakota State. Unfortunately, went to South Dakota State. Didn't stop on her way in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. And wow. got her master's in dairy nutrition, and then worked in uh, Indiana at Purdue University for extension, and then made her way here. So yes, we, we are disappointed that you went to SDSU, but we are happy that you're here now at the correct university. Thank you for being here, Dana. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I am so happy to have somebody much more qualified than I was in my former position. So. I was like, everyone loved you. <laughs> <laughs> See that, Bradley? People do actually like me. I know. We all love you. <laughs> love you. We we purposely left out some of, of Dana's background in our in our introduction, mostly because I wanted to ask so everyone could hear how you go from Alexandria, Virginia, which to me looks like a like an older town on the river, marina, you know, very historic place, and wind up working with cows in South Dakota State. It's a very interesting story. <laughs> I did a study abroad during my undergraduate degree where I went to Holland and I worked with veterinarians and we worked with pigs and cows. And that was my first you know, that, that light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, agriculture is real. It's not like a, a mythological thing and the food doesn't like grow out of the grocery stores. <laughs> it comes from a living, breathing animal. And this is what those animals look like. And this is me standing next to a cow. <laughs> that was a, a really a powerful resonating experience. And then I came back to the U.S. after that study abroad in um, the Netherlands. And I like, dove head over heels into like agriculture. I want to have like books, podcasts, movies, talking, like trying to talk to as many farmers as I could. That's kind of, that's how I I started (laughs) looking into agriculture because I dare to say this, but I grew up in an area that didn't have 4-H, it didn't have FFA. So I never interacted with that world. I look back and I'm like, wow, I took a lot of initiative. It's like I wasn't there. I didn't do this. It was somebody else to like talk to farmers, start conversations, um, tell people I was interested. And I was very fortunate to meet a lot of people who were very passionate about agriculture and gave me time. (laughs) As in, they wanted to talk to me. They're like, oh, you seem interested. Uh, Let me show you around my farm. Or like, so what do you know? And I'll try to fill in some of the gaps. So I started talking to people. I ended up pursuing a a master's degree after I finished my undergrad. And I talked to a bunch of different universities. And long story short, (laughs) I was taken by a professor at uh, South Dakota State and started working with Dr. Casper researching uh, forages and forage digestibility, which is a whole fascinating (laughs) subject, like how you can bury those things and what also like concentrate wise you have to to bury in order to get the most out of that that animal. 
So it was a lot of patient people explaining agriculture to me and how it wasn't just a, it wasn't, agriculture wasn't simple. It was, it was infinitely complex. I'm always excited when I hear someone who has a background, not in egg, get into egg, mostly because I also love egg and I love to see that someone can fall in love with it. And also because I, I didn't grow up on a farm either. I grew up in, in the Twin Cities in the suburb and uh, ended up becoming a large animal veterinarian working with cows every day. So I'm right there with you. I understand how you can fall in love with it. And, and, and I also understand how important it was for all the people that you reach out to, to be as patient as they were and be able to be as open as they were with, with sharing this, this part of their life. That, that's a huge piece of it. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited that we're continuing to draw people in. Uh, we have two questions before we get too much further. We have two questions that we have to ask every guest and we have to know, I think we'll start on the beef side. Yeah. We have to know your favorite beef breed. Yeah, we're keeping a running tally, so keep that in mind. Your vote matters. And there is only the one right answer for each question, correct? Oops. Poppycock, <laughs> Bradley. There's two right answers, in my opinion, right. for beef. But anyways. So. <laughs> I don't really have a strong like I have worked a little bit with Herefords, but not too. Just the shock on Joe's face like physically moved in his chair. I think Herford is in the lead now. Are you picking Herfords? I mean, like, we have to we have to make sure that's for <laughs> that yes. your final answer. Yes. I choose Herfords. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is just disappointing. All <laughs> Can the I ask around. what the other one was? Or am I just like I just have to Oh no, get... Herford was the right answer. Herford okay. was the right answer. Yeah, so if for everyone keeping track at home, that puts Herefords at five. Ugh. And that puts Black Angus at three, Kianina at one, Brahmin at one, Stabilizer at one, and Black Baldy at one. So Herefords have now taken a pretty commanding lead. Wow. Uh, Joe, you're surprising. also, I think, going to need to pull that video clip so our listeners can <laughs> see Bradley, the dance he just did. It yeah, was, it was. <laughs> it was really something. It was really fabulous. Something. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he was very excited. Very excited. <laughs> okay, so it, it, as you can probably guess, now we need to know your favorite dairy breed. So the one that I worked with in New Zealand was a Holstein Frisian cross. And they're like Holsteins, but they're a little bit smaller. So they're a little bit easier to manage. But I do like brown Swiss because I think they're adorable. So the, the if you have to pick a pure breed, it's going to be brown Swiss? Yes, I will, I will, I will proclaim brown Swiss. All right. Ooh, very nice. I Someone else had brown Swiss. It might have been Kirsten? Kirsten. Yeah, it was Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah. Okay. So Bradley's grad student also chose Brown Swiss. So you're not alone there. Not alone at all. That puts uh, Holstein's at four, Jersey's at three, Jersey's being the correct answer, Dutch Belted <laughs> at two, Normandy at one, Brown Swiss at two, and Montbelliard at one. Those were the two important questions. We needed to get those out of the way before we could move on to more that we wanted to talk about. I know Bradley was most interested when we were talking before we started about the fact that you went somewhere after your master's and and I, I saw his eyes light up. He's, he's always welcoming to anybody else who has pastor-based experience. So where, where did you end up? Yeah. 
So after I finished my master's, uh, I moved to New Zealand and I worked on a 1200 head pasture-based dairy. And it, it like the way that New Zealand runs their herds is different from the U.S. Everybody starts at around about the same time and kind of finishes around about the same time. While uh, the systems in the U.S. is more of like a, a, a revolving, like you're in and then you're out. But it's uh, a completely different uh, system. So I went there. I started, I got hired right before they started milking. So right when everyone was about to calve and then go into lactation and we need someone to milk. So I was hired as a milker. And along with being a milker, it was other jobs I was assigned, which is like someone needs to run out to the pasture to pick up calves. And it wasn't like a metaphorical pickup. It was literally deadlift a hundred pound calf and walk it over so that it can be carried up to the barn and we can give it. Uh, so we can give Sounds it. like my kind of workout. I like it. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you start being like, oh, I'm so chubby. And then like a month later, you're like, I'm too tired to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know Bradley's, Bradley's always interested and he does mention New Zealand from time to time. Yeah, I should have been on a plane back from New Zealand right now, actually. Oh. That yes. That's a shame. It's oh, COVID. No. It is, yes. And it's yep. spring right now or like summer? It's summer right now. It would be, yeah. I don't feel all that bad for you, Bradley, but but some of the listeners might, maybe. Nobody will. No. <laughs> if you're a listener that feels sorry for him, stop listening. It's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, don't no, do keep that. listening. Don't please. do that. Keep listening. <laughs> You mentioned that your your studies as a, ma- in a when you're a master's student and and for your master's were in forage quality digestion. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you you really are interested in want to carry forward through into extension and and your extension programming? I think that there is a tremendous amount of value there. Um, I feel like if you can create and then ensile really high quality forages, there is hidden potential as a ration component. So, <laughs> yes, I, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And especially when margins are tight, if you finagle a ration right, you can get the most out of your, your forage. So that is something that uh, every time I go to a farm, that's what I'm looking at is like the, the silage and how are you inciling it? Tell me, tell me more about it. What other feed components are you putting in there? Because my background's nutrition. So it's not simply like, oh, there's a ration. <laughs> so many components to a ration. and vary those you get different results so in answer to your question yes i've always wondered because i I haven't been abroad specifically to be on farm very often and i always wonder how that differs as we go abroad is there more emphasis you think in new zealand placed on forage obviously at a pasture-based area there was but but overall in the industry is there more emphasis than in the u.s i don't know if i can speak to that um, I would say that they definitely see it as very, very important, but, you know, it's never just nutrition, like nutrition and management kind of go hand in hand. If you don't, you, you have to tie them together. <laughs> so I would say that there is recognition. Well, I also was on a phenomenal farm. Like my, my boss was the bee's knees on top of everything. And Farmers are, are people, so how you manage differs. He, he had forage monitoring software, which you may be ah. just like it's a four-wheeler and you drag a, what is it, like a, it's like a, is it a 
dramatic <laughs> behind and it measures uh, the height of the grass. So was it a seed axe? Seed axe? I don't know. It's been so long. I can see oh. it. it's yellow. <laughs> it has like that's a seed axe. Yeah, you yeah. drive it behind the four wheeler, and you what I do is I drive just up and down the pasture, mm -hmm. and it takes all that information and puts it into the overarching system so that my boss would be able to look and see how big, how, how tall is the pasture at this part of the farm? Where should we move the cows next? And like the, those like, should we move them there three days, five days, seven days, 10. Mm -hmm. So he was on point with knowing what's out there. And then we also, he rolled out, it was, I wanna say either oat or rye silage. That was a supplement. So after first feeding, he like, unloaded a whole bunch of, si of additional silage as supplemental uh, for his herd. It, it wasn't just they have pasture and then they're fine. It was let's give them silage as well. And we also had a, uh, a four-wheeler because I couldn't navigate the motorcycle. <laughs> I was not about to tackle that. But the behind the four-wheeler, they dragged this like funnel and it had it had some type of mineral supplement that they like dusted on the crop. So I just drove around and like dusted out a mineral supplement in order to make sure that they were getting all the nutrients that they needed. So it was not as simple as they're in pasture, now they're fine. It was in order to get them the maximum amount of milk production, they're getting a lot of supplemental feeding in order to reach, I guess, genetic potential. We've covered it in the past, maybe way back in the first few episodes where we talk about how uh, grazing and pasture management isn't necessarily less work. Uh, there's a, there's plenty of work going on. As you'll learn, as you get to know Bradley more, he has every sensor known to man up at Morris. I don't know if he has a CDAX though. I, oh, Joseph, are you wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I do have one. Brad I do have a finally has his day. <laughs> <laughs> so many sensors. So many sensors. I do, and I don't. We we used it long time ago, um, uh, but uh, don't don't really use it much anymore. It, it's not meant for hilly pastures and yeah. pastures with gophers in it. It worked. It did a fine job, but it was probably more work than what it should have been for for our operation. For our operation. I, I was hoping that I could catch Bradley without a piece of equipment. <laughs> and it didn't work. Didn't work. He's got it. And if it. he didn't have it, he would just go and buy it. Because, you know, <laughs> grant money, grant money, grant money. Exactly. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. I'm curious about calves. Calves in, on, on the dairy in New Zealand there that you worked mm -hmm. at. You know, how were they feeding them? Did they do it on pasture? Was it once a day? What, you know, it was once a day. So after yes. first milking, and you went and picked up all the calves from the pasture, like loaded them into the trailer, and then everybody goes in the trailer up to the barn. They had, I can't think of what they're called, but it's like a, a circle and there's all the nipples around it. And then everybody gets around and mob feeder. Yeah. Mob feeders. Yeah. So just so people get a, a sense for what else you're interested in hmm. besides forage, because obviously you're interested in forage and forage quality. What else, what else on a dairy? Like, do you get there and you're like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to learn more about. That's what I'm interested in. I really like talking about nutrition and management. I love talking about management. Like, why do you do it in that order? Or how long does this take you? Or do you put that information? Is it easily retrievable? I, I, oh, she I is think that's speaking a... our language. Oh, yeah. We talk about management all the time. Whatever topic we talk about, we're like, well, really, though, it depends on management. That's what it yeah. comes down to. You're right. That's true. And I, I think we 
we actually even got a, a request to do a episode specifically on management so that people have a better idea of what we mean and defining it and what it means to each of us. Cause I'm sure you could ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers. So yeah, maybe you'll have to come back and do that with us since you're so interested in management. Yeah, it would be fun. That sounds fun, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but we have a good time on the podcast sometimes, you know, especially if we get a chance to make fun of Bradley. So it does seem a good Always a recurring plan. theme. <laughs> yeah, definitely a theme. Definitely a theme. I have a question now, uh, you know, because when we have other, when we've had other local educators on in the past, which I think was just Michael J. Cruz, PhD, but in any case. JD. Um, oh, well, yeah, and JD. We JD. had a we had an educator from West Virginia on. But, mm. and I know you're new to your role, but of course I'm biased because I think you have one of the best jobs in extension because that's such a great area to work in, central Minnesota. So just curious, um, what are some things you're really looking forward to doing or some things that you have kind of learned, um, you know, in your first few weeks on the job there? Uh, would just love to kind of to know what you're thinking with that and, and you know, have our listeners learn a little bit more about kind of the process we go through when we're new in extension and, and how yeah. we do that. It's really, I think you understand, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's having to build yourself in a community. So getting to know farmers, which I'm excited and nervous about during COVID, because I, I understand that there'll be a, like a little bit of a, a lag period as like, hopefully we can move forward and out of COVID. So how do I establish relationships with people during that, that time? And what I'm trying to do is uh, talk to commissioners and ask them, who should I call? <laughs> who would like talk to me? <laughs> so that I can start getting my name out there. So it's not like, oh, I've never heard of that person. Oh, wait, wait, we have a livestock educator. It's people know that I'm here and that I'm not just like twiddling my thumbs. I'm trying to engage in the community because that's my favorite part of extension <laughs> is getting to know people in their farms. What, like, what is your, how, how does your family uh, interact with the farm? Uh, why is it that way? Have you seen anybody else do it differently? And what do you think about that? So I'm excited to build relationships because I, I love doing that. Um, before, like everywhere you go, you have kids just like run up and tackle you because like, oh, I remember when you talked to me about gardening or you showed me that like that part of the tractor, or we talked about farm safety or you visited my school. Those are the best when you have strong connections with community. And sometimes it's with kids. Sometimes it's someone just coming and be like, oh, I heard you on the radio. <laughs> You're like, so you do hear me. <laughs> I'm interacting with people. So that's what I'm excited to do is to get to know the community and get to know people, their farms, their families, what they struggle with so that I can provide support. That's perfect. Uh, I, to me, that was one of the, the things that I loved about practice the most when I was in practice getting to know the, the families and, and each individual farm and how they differed. I still think that's one of the best things about the cattle industry before dairy. Uh, nothing's cookie cutter. You know, you might, you might get into some cookie cutter stuff when you're talking about uh, and pigs and poultry and, and maybe someone out there will argue with me on that. But when you're talking about beef and dairy, everything is so different. You, there's so much value 
in getting to know each farm individually and how it interacts with the family. Like you said, uh, nothing better. That was the, is the, it is the number one thing I miss about practice. Uh, and fortunately one day COVID will be done and we'll get back to, to doing a lot more of that kind of thing. But for now you can listen to the podcast and check out the YouTube channel and do that kind of stuff while we work back towards that. What else do you want to talk about, Dana? Is there anything else that you had on your mind that you want to get out there? So I came from Indiana. Yeah. Snow. <laughs> There's snow here right now. And that's kind of, that'll be an interesting acclimation for me and my husband is because uh, he, he did his undergrad here in Minnesota. So we're both like reacclimating to the snow, the weather. We're acclimating to Minnesota. I mean, both of us are excited to be here. Yeah, good. Well, you were in Brookings. That's just, yeah. it could be nasty yeah, Brookings out there. is pretty nasty, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah. if you miss the wind at all, you can go see Bradley and Morris. There's plenty. Oh yeah, there. there's plenty of it plenty here. Plenty of it to go around. Yeah. Exactly. What does your husband do? Uh, he's finishing his master's in aquaponics. Really? Aquaponics. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he's well. We're both pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, agree. Agree. Uh, we he did shrimp and um, oh, wow, like switchgrass. It's a, a yeah. If I understand correctly, <laughs> it's a form of salt remediation. He's, you know, doing all the paperwork as you finish of like, let's type out my thesis and let's type the results, which is nobody's favorite party, but <laughs> here we are. So he's he's working on that right now, just like analyzing his, all his research so that it'll be done and you can be free. <laughs> that's a lot of work. And uh, that that's awesome though. I, I did not expect you to say aquaponics. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That is really cool. Yeah, big twist. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you chose the right university at least. Agreed. <laughs> okay. I like you guys. <laughs> good. Good. I, we are super happy that you're here and, and that we have someone in that position. Super important position in extension. A lot of farmers in that county. A lot of people looking for someone to bounce ideas off of, help in, in different situations. You seem like the perfect fit for the job and we're really excited that you're here. Thank you. With that, I think we'll wrap it. I think that that's it. Unless anybody else has burning questions. Do we have Minnesotan accents, Dana? Yeah, sure. Yes. 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 I would say if I had to rank them, Emily's is the worst. Bradley what? is next. Strongest. You can say strong. <laughs> okay, strongest. Emily has the strongest accent for sure. Bradley's and I happen next. to be the strongest person on the podcast, so it works. No one will argue with you. We're all native Minnesotans, so we're uh, we are. We, can, we all we, have we, that. We all say certain words, and like, <laughs> there it is. yeah. Well, you just said y'all, so just sprinkle if you're from Minnesota, you say you guys. You guys. <laughs> you guys. Hey, you guys, stop. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. All right. Uh, okay. We're Emily's, derailing, so yes, we can probably. The, wrap. This is going downhill fast, so let's wrap <laughs> it up. Uh, thank you again to Dana for being on. If you have questions, comments, scathing rebuttals, please send them to the email, themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Check out the website, extension.umn.edu and our Facebook pages at UMN Dairy and at UMN Beef. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. I got so excited when I got a grant one day, boom, fell out of my chair.